good. Welcome to Byfield Parish Church. My name is Brent Fugate. I'm the senior pastor here at the church. If you are visiting here with us today for the first time, welcome. Thank you for being here. And if you've been going here for 50 years, we are glad you are here as well. Last week, we started a sermon series on work here at Byfield Parish. Some of you would prefer not to be thinking about work on Sundays, but that's what we're going to do. Work is something we were all made for. We are called by God to work. I started working at least a bit when I was about 10 years old. And since that time, I have pretty much always had a job. Some of these jobs were not great, but for the most part, I consider myself blessed. The rewards varied from place to place. Bosses, coworkers, compensation, meaning, learning, and schedule are all things I have enjoyed at different jobs throughout my life. During college, I worked at this outdoor store called River Sports. The pay wasn't very good. It was super boring. Actually, the boss I had there was by far the worst boss I've ever had. But for me, the rewards were great because there was something called pro deals. Now, pro deals was a thing where employees of the shop could order outdoor gear at 50 to 80% off of normal price. And that was enough to motivate me to continue working there. Much of the outdoor gear I still have is stuff that I got 20 years ago that I'm still holding on to. While I have worked at a lot of rewarding jobs in my life, I have never had a job that didn't include frustration. At the last church I worked at, I found myself starting to get a bit bored at one point. The issue was not with the church. The issue was with me. I get bored easily. And I started to think about looking for a new job. And at that point, I don't remember who said this to me or if I read it somewhere, but they said, if you have a job that you enjoy 70 percent of the time, 70 percent of the time, then you have a really good job. And hearing that at that time helped me to realize I had a great job. I enjoyed my job way over 70 percent of the time. But even if we enjoy the work we do 70 percent of the time, that means 30 percent of the time we are dealing with some level of frustration. And, and that's what our focus is going to be on today, how to, how to deal with that frustration. Today, we are going to focus on the frustration inherent in work. Scripture makes clear that it is unavoidable, hopefully by acknowledging the unavoidable difficulties that come with work, we can discern how to respond better. So if you would please turn with me to Genesis chapter three, we will begin in verse 16 and read through verse 19. The verses will be projected on the screen behind me, 
Uh, you can also turn to page two in your pew Bible if you prefer to read there. Or actually, page three, I should say. Hear the word of the Lord. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your, ch your pain and childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. The Bible teaches in these verses that the world we live in is cursed. This may seem a bit intense, but it is certainly the case. Every area of our existence has been subjected to the curse, which makes the work we do painful and often counterproductive. The frustration every person feels in the work they do is unavoidable to some extent. Even Jesus experienced frustration in his work. While our work is subject to the curse, that is not the only force in operation. The curse has tainted everything we do, but we can still see the fruits of our labors. Our work sustains the world. We must acknowledge the curse when we talk about work. We must also remember the curse alone does not determine what is accomplished through the work we do. Work does not operate in this world as God originally intended it. In last week's sermon, we focused on how work is a significant aspect of what we were created for as people. People were created by God to work. That is a core part of our identity. This was not a punishment. In fact, it was a privilege. God gave us the potential to build upon the opportunity inherent in the world he created. We were supposed to grow and create, to make an ordered home for all people. All our work was to be for God's glory. God wanted to celebrate the good he had made us to do, just as any father would take satisfaction in seeing their children do well. In his satisfaction, we were intended to find our sense of purpose. Unfortunately, our predecessors rejected God's good purpose. 
Instead, they wanted to be like God. In their minds, the way God had organized creation was not good enough. They thought it should be more about them. Adam and Eve wanted to be their own bosses. You've probably thought this at a job that you've been in before, right? You've thought, if I was in charge, this place would run so much better. It would be different. Everybody would be happy. Customers would be well served. And in some cases, that might be the case. You might actually be better at managing your place of work than whoever's currently in charge. That is definitely not the case for us in this world. We have not done a better job managing God's creation than he has done. The consequences of humanity's failure reverberate through history to the present. God responded to the rejection of the fall by cursing the work of women and men so they would not live under the illusion that they could make, that we could make, a perfect world apart from God. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Now, this is, this is not news. Physically, having children is painful, or so I've heard. Any woman that has brought children into this world can tell you about the discomfort and pain that was part of the process. Raising those children is painful in a different way. That actually wasn't supposed to be funny. That was, uh, <laughs> mothers will tell you the pains of motherhood are not finished when the baby is delivered. Moms still have to deal with the exhaustion that comes with having a newborn, the selfishness of childhood, the disappointment that comes with teenagers making mistakes, and the hurt of seeing children that they have invested in so heavily leave and, and make their own decisions. To the man, God says, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. From this point forward, work was inseparable from pain. As was the case with women, and childbearing, the pain men experience in working the ground isn't only physical. Certainly some of it is, but the physical pain is often the easiest part to deal with. Most men would gladly suffer physically if they could avoid all the emotional pain that comes, all the frustration that comes with the work they do. The work men do will result in thorns and thistles. Instead of it going smoothly, our efforts don't always lead to the outcomes we planned for 
and expected. A machine made by man breaking down and a deal losing the company money both fit under the category of thorns and thistles. Some people read the way God cursed men and women and they think, well, that all really sounds very antiquated, right? The curses reflect a patriarchal, I can never say that word, cultural understanding in which women are responsible for the children and men are responsible for the farm. Now, these verses are certainly very old. At the time they were written, there wasn't a multitude of career options available. Pretty much every man had to work the ground to sustain their family, and pretty much every woman had to invest her efforts in keeping her children alive. The fact that we live in a much different time doesn't mean the underlying truth in these verses has ceased to apply. Something I've noticed about men and women today is that for the most part, what these verses have to say still very much reflects the primary frustrations men and women experience. Women tend to be more focused on nurturing their family. Men tend to be more focused on providing for their family. Now, some of you might say, well, I don't, I don't have a family, but it is still true that women tend to be more focused on the relational aspects of their life, while men tend to be more focused on what they are accomplishing in their life. This doesn't mean that women don't care about what is happening in their work outside the home, and it doesn't mean that men don't care about what is happening with their family inside the home. This text is painting with a broad brush. What it is stating is still true today. Our work doesn't function in the way God originally intended it to function. What we should take from today's verses is that whatever work we do will involve frustration. It will involve pain, thorns, and thistles. This is true whether the work we are doing is the work of raising a family, the work of harvesting a crop, the work of healing the sick, or the work of running a company. If you are looking for work that is never frustrating, you will always be looking. There is no such thing. There is no job untouched by the curse that exists. Frustrations will rise in every setting. Looking for a job that has somehow escaped the curse is a fool's errand. In the Chevy Chase movie, Christmas Vacation, Cousin Eddie is holding out for a job in management despite being unemployed for years. And this is one of the reasons that he is obviously a ridiculous character. Any person that spends their life seeking a job that doesn't include frustration is equally ridiculous. The fact all work is frustrating 
doesn't mean you have to accept all frustration. It just means you have to accept some frustration, okay? When I talk to people that are considering getting married, I don't actually care that much about what they love about each other. I ask, it's polite, it's polite to ask, what do you love about this person? But the fact is, what they love about each other isn't actually what is going to determine the long-term success or failure of their marriage. What is going to determine the long-term success or failure of their marriage is how they're going to deal with the things that they do not like about each other, okay? So if you're somebody that cannot stand being late, and you are getting married to somebody that is always late, and I'm doing the premarital counseling, then I am concerned about that. Because that's going to be the issue moving forward. And jobs are sort of the same way. The question you should ask yourself when you think about the type of work you want to do is whether or not you can handle the frustrations that come with that work. If you can't handle listening to complaining, you know, like maybe customer service, maybe not, maybe not the job for you, right? Those that are repulsed by mess should probably not work with kids that struggle with severe special needs. It's just a bad fit. Being frustrated does not mean you are a failure or that you should stop doing what you're doing. You are not alone in feeling frustrated. Much of the Old Testament is filled with God being frustrated with his interactions with people. The prophets frequently vent God's exasperation. It is no wonder he's frustrated. The people he's dealing with are not easy. Even Jesus experienced frustration with the work he did on this earth. You know, the, the Bible tells us that Jesus was a carpenter, but it doesn't really give us information on that portion of his life. I remember one time I was watching a movie and it was showing Jesus when he was a carpenter. And the in the movie, he just made this like perfect chair, right? Just like, I'll tell you, he's just like the best chair maker ever. And I'm not saying Jesus wasn't good at making chairs, but I was like, this is sort of a false representation. I'm sure Jesus, when he was doing carpentry work, was dealing with frustrations of the wood not doing what he wanted it to because he was a real person living in a real world that involved real frustration. While we don't know what Jesus' experience was as a carpenter, we do know what his experience was as the Messiah trying to teach people to follow him. And we know that he got frustrated. In Luke 9, 41, Jesus said, Oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? I think I actually know a few parents that have said something similar to their children. In Mark 12, Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, no sign will be given to this generation. 
those of you that manage people can probably relate to Jesus' exasperation in, in some small way. If Jesus, who was perfect, got frustrated in the work he did, we cannot expect a different experience for ourselves. Feeling frustrated isn't sinful. It is an appropriate response to living in a world that has been subjected to the futility of the curse. While frustration is unavoidable, we still have work to do. The truth spoken in today's verses from Genesis 3 doesn't change the fact that all people were created and called by God to work. All of life is impacted by the curse. We can't opt out of life. We can't opt out of work. It is incorrect to think of work itself as a curse. The curse is that the work we do is impacted by the curse. Work which God created as a, as a good is a source of pain and struggle that it was never intended to be. God can still use our work for good purposes. Think about what would happen if everyone just decided to stop working. But I was just like, nope, we're done. Death would run rampant. And it wouldn't take long either. There would be massive crime waves due to lack of policing. People would quickly begin dying of routine diseases due to the lack of medical care. The power would go out in our homes. You guys probably remember a few years ago when Market Basket went on strike, right? Like how long did it take before we were all like, what do we do? Where do we eat? Our society is falling apart because there's a battle at Market Basket. How long would it take for society to collapse completely? I think it'd be like 10 days. Like if everybody was just like, I'm done, I think within 10 days, it would be totally collapsed. God uses the work people do to sustain the world. The work we do resists the effects of the curse. Over the millennia, humanity has constructed a world that is incredibly interconnected and complicated. That progress has been paid for in sweat and blood to get to where we are. While much of that effort has resulted in thorns, it was not all wasted. In spite of the curse, in many ways, humanity has filled the earth and subdued it as we were commanded to do. The human population no longer numbers in the thousands. It's now in the billions. We have built highways, cities, and nations. Christians can and should wholeheartedly participate in this work. Doing so will involve frustration. The alternative would be to succumb to the curse, which is not God's intent. More importantly, 
God uses Christians to continue the redemptive work of Christ. In his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus overcame the curse. When Jesus overcame death, it was an indication the curse had been overcome. Pastor John Piper writes, when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, what he meant was that he had come to reverse the curse. We already pointed out earlier that Jesus' work on earth was frustrating. It was also incredibly productive. He achieved victory over the curse through his own sweat and blood and pain. Jesus is still at work in this world overcoming the curse. He uses the work of those who call on him in faith. In Christ, we are curse breakers. Paul asked, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. That sounds very cursed. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Every Christian has been empowered in some way for the work of conquering the curse. We conquer the curse, furthering God's kingdom by being a blessing that counteracts the curse. The most important way we do this is by pointing others back to Jesus, back to the source of blessing. He is the ultimate blessing, the ultimate curse breaker. So each of us, we, we have these jobs we do that are, that are part of God's common grace enterprise to sustain this world. But we also have a special calling as Christians to in some way work to apply God's grace in the world, to counteract the effects of the curse. This world is cursed. This means work will involve frustration. It is unavoidable, but not the whole story. The work we do as people has value and purpose. God sustains the world through it. Every job will definitely include frustration. And it's totally appropriate when a job becomes overwhelmingly frustrating. It's totally appropriate to evaluate that and say, I'm going I'm to look for a different job. I don't feel like I can accomplish anything good here. Everything here turns into thorns and thistles. But we should recognize that whatever situation we're in, there is going to be frustration. And it is our job 
to overcome the curse in the work we do. Christians have the special opportunity to do the work of being curse breakers. You should take comfort in knowing that the work that you put into this world is not in vain. It doesn't all get lost in the curse. That God can and does use it for his greater purpose. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I want to thank you that we have the opportunity to work. That you have made us for it and that we are capable of, of creating that we are capable of, of building and teaching and doing all the, all the jobs that are represented in this room. And I know that there are those in this room whose work is so frustrating and that it just, it steals their life, that it, it pulls all their energy out of them just thinking about going back into the office tomorrow or going to where it is they do their work. Lord, and I, I pray that you would be with those individuals. And if there's another situation that they'd be in, that they would have the courage to step out and move in that direction, Lord. And for others of us that feel confident that we're in the right place, but still get bogged down in, in the frustration of this world and the curse that makes our work frustrating, Lord, I just pray that you would be with us that you would give us the strength and the desire and the wisdom to know how to overcome the curse and the work that you have shaped us to do, Lord. We ask this most of all in regards to your kingdom and pray that you would help us to continue Jesus' work of overcoming the curse that is still so obvious in this world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.